In a joint Harvard Business Review and Google Cloud report, 97% of business leaders responding to the survey believe that democratizing access to data and analytics across their organization is important to business success. The same study revealed, however, that only 60% of these leaders believe that their organization is very effective at giving employees access to data and analytics tools. Now, with business leaders seeing greater autonomy in deciding their technology directions, this may have led to the rise adoption of low-code and no-code methodologies for developing applications. Now, both approaches use visual programming and automation to create software solutions rather than relying on the IT team to write the code for them. Future CIOs covered the economic benefits of low-code and no-code back in September 2020. This time around, with the growing influence of artificial intelligence, we'll look at how AI may impact the use of low-code and no-code approaches when it comes to business applications. Returning to podcast for future CIO is Leonard Tan, Regional Director for Singapore and Greater China OutSystems, to shed light on the topic. Leonard, welcome to podcast for future CIO. Thank you for inviting me, Alan. Where are we at as regards to low-code, no-code adoption integration in Asia in 2023? I think in 2023, we are still seeing a huge surge of customers and prospects looking to actually adopt some form of low-code or no-code technologies for the purpose of automation, workflow process optimization, and really just improving uh, upon a lot of their innovation needs. Now, I mean, um, Gartner, again, has always been advocating that um, 70% of new applications will be utilizing low-code and no-code by 2025. And we are actually seeing, you know, along the years that this trend or this, you know, kind of like search is keeping up with what the prediction of Gartner is today. You know, in the regions that I do manage, we actually see a really healthy growth of customers with regards to irrespective of their industries or their verticals are still looking to adopt uh, low-code and no-code as a meet to actually improve their business outcomes. Having seen the effects of the use of low-code, no-code, what would you say have been the positive and perhaps negative consequences of using low-code, no-code compared to previously where you rely a lot on the application development team? I don't think much has changed, to be really honest with you, Alan. I think the key idea of what low-code speaks to advocate, right, is along the fact that you could improve developer productivity. So um, according to an OutSystem study, we actually do see that uh, interviewees indicated that the number of developer weeks needed for a given project decreased fundamentally by at least 50% in terms of their productivity over time. And it's not just within this space in its own. I think just this year, uh, we partnered with uh, Petronas in Malaysia to actually roll out a CDP program, right? In short, what we call it the Citizen Development Program with the aim of actually empowering developers and their own business users in streamlining their processes to meet evolving needs of their business, right? So uh, in that perspective, that is really the positive light, but it's not just within that, right? It's also about, you know, time to market. You know, with regards to all of the industries that we do see, time to market is the essence of what it takes for them to really differentiate themselves, you know, utilizing AI-driven automation to actually expedite a lot of these repetitive tasks. More so specifically in this in this uh, time and era, I personally do see that, you know, um, specifically in regions like Hong Kong or Greater China right, as a region, 
Uh, many businesses are turning into really trying to automate a lot of their paper uh, uh, kind of like processes, a lot of their men- uh, kind of repetitive tasks, and really trying to bring it into a digital form of needs, right? Uh, of course, I think one thing is we really want to try to increase the collaboration between business and IT, right? To really try to see how, you know, as part of agile programs that is actually being rolled out, you know, how low code can actually empower both the business and IT to be part of the development process. Last but not the very least, we, we are actually looking at the barrel of entry, right? So I think that the biggest thing that we do see today is the fact that there is a lot of projects that needs to be rolled out, but there's just not enough people, there's just not enough resources, talents to actually target that, right? And it's no longer about, you know, how many developers that I can hire, but it's about how many, uh, how quickly can I onboard people to make changes, to drive change, right? So, you know, what low code or no code seeks to actually address is that creating a governance, creating a system where with regards to whatever skill sets that you're on, you keep a standard way of development and everyone caters to that. However, of course, there are always posed to be challenges and, and consider- considerations as well. Not everything is a bed of roses. I think, you know, in, in the space of low code, right, um, there always is perceived concern on scalability, right, especially from an enterprise architecture standpoint, you know, how scalable this is, right? Because the truth is that low code and no code, there are just so many tools out there. I think, Alan, you would already see that there are many new and newer players, you know, in the market offering some level of low code and no code automation tools, right? But the truth is not all low code and no code are made equal. Um, Some of them are really targeted at very specific use cases. Some of them are targeted at very specific personas and some of them are just very generic. So the, the key idea is that scalability becomes a concern where, you know, you think that you could overstretch a low-code tool when it's actually just targeted for a very specific purpose. So therefore, I think it's important for CIOs or even decision makers to be very cognizant and very aware of what they are buying or what they are adopting and really making sure that it's a fit for purpose. So that's kind of like the ways that we are seeing. I think I, I talked about this previously before, which is another challenge I see back then was that developers, are they willing or are they open to adopting low code? I think that's kind of like along the years, developers are already starting to see that it look, this is like a trend and this is a trend that is here to stay. So while there are still people that are a little bit more skeptical of low code, the general kind of move is that people are already starting to adopt this. So you could kind of see where, you know, the pieces are moving along and how it's kind of pieced together to really make this work for, for organizations. I'm glad to hear that uh, Lysatia is starting to adopt low-code, no-code, and perhaps to ease the burden on the software development team, the IT team on this. One of the sexy words of 2023 is artificial intelligence. And we've seen mm-hmm. uh, there are YouTube videos there showing an IT expert claiming to use AI to help develop code itself, to write the yep. program itself. So how do you see okay, AI impacting the future of low-code, no-code use in the enterprise? And if you could mm-hmm. look at this from several personas, right? from the enterprise citizen developers out there and, and then the IT function as well. And then from specifically from the developer team. And then I'd ask you to look at it from a security perspective. So number three, security perspective. 
So let me first set the context that I think AI is, of course, the buzzword, right? And, you know, with the introduction of large language models like ChatGPT, the, the key thing is that many people are really concerned is that if, you know, a lot of these tools could already generate codes, does it mean that low code or no code is considered still relevant in the market today? Um, the, the truth is, as we kind of see where organizations are playing around with AI tools, they start to also realize that you could use it to perhaps automate certain things as a form of a knowledge base, but the key idea is you would still not use it to develop enterprise applications, right? Because there comes the concern of how transparent the codes are, how adaptable it is, you know, and how relevant it is in the business context, right? So every business is unique, you know, every business has their own kind of fine tweaks, you know, checks and balances there. So if you use a standard kind of a model, uh, there comes the question whether it's still relevant. But the thing is now where low-code and no-code technologies like our systems, we take a stand is that AI has actually been always embedded in the technology, whether is it in the space of the code generation itself or whether is it in the space of suggestive handling or, or whatnot, it already, it's already there. It has always been there, but it's just made, you know, just kind of like the thing that everyone cares about, right? So, but the key thing is this, right? So we talk about three things, enterprise citizen developers, we talk about professional developers and we talk about security. So let's start with enterprise citizen developers, right? So I think first of all, at least from our system standpoint, right, how are we kind of doing this is that we see that with generative AI, a wider pool of talents can actually start contributing to the concept of ideation, where instead of me trying to even drag and drop, instead of me even trying to write a code, I could already use natural language or prompt to actually try to get an application upfront by me just suggesting, say, I'm looking for assume an inventory management system, and then the low code would already kind of give you some wireframes, it would really give you some base, so at least that gives you an understanding of what am I looking for, right? So that's the first thing that we see right with the use of ai today along with low code no code this is what would happen in the space and realm of enterprise citizen developers right so because the key is a lot of times business users they may not have a clear picture of what they actually want to build they only know i need to build an application, but at what form, at what functionalities, I actually do not know. So by already kind of creating that prompts and you already get some of these wireframes and designs out, it makes things easier for you to visualize exactly what I need or what do I not need. And then I could already take this to actually pass it on to the professional developers. And this comes to my second point. So where you already created wireframes, when you hand it over to the developers, the developers would then use that to actually start creating, assuming your UI and UX designs that is aligned to the company's uh, kind of like style guide, right? You could already start creating some of these workflows, integration, and that's where, you know, the developers will take the center stage, really doing the grunt work, the tedious task of, you know, kind of making sure that this complies within the agencies. But AI in this space would mean that it's actually enabling developers through uh, the use of ensuring that you keep technical debt low. The key idea is you want to make sure that your applications are designed to be as lightweight as possible, to be as future-proof as you make such that you can always scale in the future. And of course, along with, you know, all this cool and, and funky things like containers, you talk about cloud native, you know, that's all within the platform itself that you can already leverage. Now that comes to the third point, which is security. A lot of these deep learning technologies are actually embedded within software development platforms that actually allow you to do code reviews. It allows you to do out of the box security vulnerabilities, adherence to coding standards, right? So in that sense, you are already ensuring 
ensuring whether or not you're at the enterprise citizen developers or even at the professional developers, there are already security policies and standards that's embedded to ensure that you don't suddenly create something that would perhaps allow an opportunistic behavior to actually create a problem for the company. A good example would be like static code analyzers can actually use deep learning techniques to identify code patterns uh, that often lead to bugs and security issues, right? So that's kind of where we see that, you know, when this whole space of like AI and, and low code coming into play, this is where the whole merge would happen. How should the CIO balance the benefits and risk of AI powered low code, no code platforms? Because you say AI is already embedded in there. We just don't know or realize it. So I think first of all, for any CIOs, I think everyone wants to try to understand how AI can actually be used, right? So whether is it in the form of a knowledge base kind of sharing or whether do you embed it as a part of a, a automation? I think that the key idea is we have to take a very pragmatic way of looking at AI, right? So at least from Austin's view, we view the use of AI as the use of pragmatic use of AI, right? So which is the key idea is, you know, where you can actually use prompts to actually create wireframes and then you can actually pass it down, I think that's where CIOs would first want to know, right? Which is if I adopt any low code or no code technologies, would AI actually help me to elevate some of my work? And especially with this whole concept of shadow IT and citizen development, how can I kind of piece everything together as a holistic offering for the organizations to benefit, right? But of course, from CIO perspective, the goal of implementing AI and, you know, really building the concept of intelligent applications looks into the fact that there are mass quantities of data to actually deliver insights and enable decision making for so actionable insights. Right. So, you know, data management will also become an area where organizations will perhaps prioritize and also put some level of investment in it. Right. So once upon making sure that the data is already set, again, that's where AI powered local platforms comes in. We actually will be able to connect to your own LLMs that allows developers and organizations to embed capabilities of chat GPT functionalities into the way that they build, provide or personalize recommendations. Right. So along the way, the tool is able to self-learn and self-heal itself such that it becomes, you know, all catered towards what the organizations are looking for, right? So, but I think the key thing is that anything that is touching on data, CIOs must have a proper governance structure in making sure that, you know, this data is kept safe, it's cleansed, it's labeled properly, there's proper security and governance, you know, for the purpose of them evaluating or even looking at this as well. 2024 is just around the corner, right? You can count days already. What is in <laughs> store for low-code, no-code platforms? And how should the CIOs and the enterprise view these developments as part of the overall business transformation initiative that they may have in the coming years? I think um, low-code and no-code is here to stay. I think that's the first statement that I will just put it out there right now. The, the only thing is that the only question that differentiates the different parties coming into, into this picture would be, you know, how does AI actually come to play a part in this? I think as part of what I've shared earlier in terms of the use of AI or the pragmatic use of AI within low-code, that's exactly what our systems is doing. It will actually be a game-changer in software development, right? If you think about it, the emergence of AI alone along with low code, put that together, you can actually tap on the technical potential from automation, predictive modeling, you know, down to even the fact that you enhance the development process and experience will be something that all CIOs would be largely keen to explore, largely keen to utilize. The key thing is that CIOs would actually need to enable their business technologies with the right skills and tools and making sure that, you know, with this kind of enablement done, it allows them to stay competitive. Again, I think developers, you know, as they look 
into this whole wave, they would also need to embrace the concept of relearning, unlearning, just to make sure that, you know, they are able to kind of find that balance, right, of, you know, what I'm good at doing, what is out there in the market, let's find that balance and let's try to make sure that, you know, we still meet the outcomes of what is important for any organizations to excel. Uh, more and more developers will engage in this form of conversational AI using low code or even chat GPT for one to improve the user experience. Again, I think the three things that I just really want to talk about is really talk about the fact that when AI coupled with low code should, first of all, give you power, right? Power for you to actually build applications for highly scalable, mission critical web and mobile applications that you can already directly engage with your stakeholders, users and customers. One, security should never be compromised, right? So this means that you have to ensure that you have multiple built-in security check-ins uh, across your whole software delivery lifecycle process. Zero trust, making sure that you have a role-based governance model within your framework and making sure that there are tools, whether it's in the platform or outside the platform, that automatically identify security vulnerabilities, right? So this helps you to narrow down the risk of what it takes for you to be, you know, more agile, right? Last but not the very least, agility, right? So agility is, again, what we want to make sure that organizations can get out of it. So with the use of AI, this means that you could actually take 50%, maybe to even 70%, right? So you can actually save much more time. You can accelerate the whole process of delivering applications for your organizations. It shouldn't take you that long. You can actually start bringing together the best of both worlds from business and IT to really, really drive business outcomes. And then you have a standardized code output that can run anywhere, that can be transferable, that can actually, with the same team or a different team, they can actually manage it much easier, right? So that's really where I see how it is, at least from uh, my point of view. Leonard, thank you very much for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. That was Leonard Tan, Regional Director for Singapore and Greater China at OutSystems, on the topic of the evolving future of low-code, no-code. You are listening to Podcast for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editorsatsociety.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter, so you won't miss an episode of Podcast for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcast for Future CIO. Bye for now.